You are listening to the Journal of Rheumatology's Editor's Picks with Dr. Earl Silverman, Editor-in-Chief. Hello again. This is Earl Silverman, Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Rheumatology, Welcome you to the October 2023 edition of Editor's Highlights. I want to thank you for having taken the time to listen to this podcast. This month, I will begin by speaking to Dr. Stephen Katz and Carrie Yi, who are the authors of a paper titled Biologic Sex Inequality in Rheumatology Wait Times During the COVID-19 Pandemic. They will give you an overview of the findings of their paper. What what did you find in the pre and post and peri not post? This was peri COVID. Yeah, well, what was not surprising is that the average wait times increased during the peri COVID period, and that has been reported in previous studies where access to care has been shown to decrease during the peri COVID time period. What was really interesting though, is that in the pre-COVID period, um, sex and age were not predictors of wait times once you adjusted for uh, triage status. And I think that's one of the strengths of the paper is that we could actually adjust for that. Because obviously the types of presentations that males and females, we're gonna use biological sex terms, um, present with is very different. And so their wait times could be different, but we were able to adjust for that. And in the pre-COVID period, that made no difference. Interestingly, in the peri-COVID period, once you adjusted for um, those potential confounders, we found that there was a significant difference in wait times experienced between females and males. And that difference was about 10 days. We also found that that difference was uh, different by triage status. Um, There's a bigger difference in the semi-urgence versus the routines, or actually, let me get that, I said that wrong. The difference was bigger in the routines um, and smaller in Mm -hmm. the uh, semi-urgence. So there was some effect modification seen uh, with triage status. Um, We also found that younger patients were waiting longer in our multivariate analysis. So younger patients were having to wait on average about five days longer per decade that they were younger. Hmm. Um, so those were some interesting observations. And but what do you remember what approximately the median age then was? Or, you know, it, what there was, you were said by decade. So are we talking median age of 40, 50, 60? Yeah. Let me just look Do you here. remember? The median age was about uh, early 50s. Oh, early 50s. Okay. For that men just... and 52 for women. Okay, so it just gives people an idea of the potential changes as you get younger. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed listening to Drs. Katz and Yi review the findings of their study titled Biologic Sex Inequality in Rheumatology Wait Times During the COVID-19 Pandemic. I believe you will enjoy listening to the full interview and reading the full-length article. I also suggest that you read an accompanying editorial about this article titled Sex in the Time of COVID-19, which is by Dr. Mark Harrison from the University of British Columbia, Vancouver, Canada. 
Both the original article and the editorial are currently available on our website at www.jroom.org. Now to move on to other highlighted papers. Osteoporosis and fractures can lead to significant morbidity in patients with rheumatoid arthritis. This important issue was examined in the next paper titled Validating the Fracture Risk Assessment Tool Score in a U.S. Population-Based Study of Patients with Rheumatoid Arthritis and is by Musa and colleagues. This is a retrospective study of 662 patients with RA who are aged 40 to 89 years and were seen between the years 1980 to 2070. They were then followed until their death or the last available visit, and each patient had the 10-year fracture risk for major osteoporotic and hip fractures estimated using the FRAX tool. The authors found that there were 76 major osteoporotic fractures versus a predicted 67 major fractures in this patient group. The standard incident Ratio was 1.13 with confidence intervals across zero at 0.91 to 1.42. In addition, there were 12 hip fractures as compared to the 23.3 predicted hip fractures, which resulted in a standard incidence ratio of 0.9. This occurred after a median follow-up of nine years for this cohort. When the authors examined the same two fracture risks in 356 patients in whom they had a bone mineral density assessment after a median of 6.8 years, there were 43 observed versus 41.3 predicted major audio osteoporotic fractures for a standard incidence ratio of 1.04 with confidence intervals of 0.99 to 1.44. And for hip fractures, it was 13 observed versus 12.8 predicted for a standard incident ratio of 1.01. Subgroup analysis showed that None of the predicted ratios differed from the observed, except for patients aged 40 to 59 years who were found to have an increased risk of major osteoporotic fractures. The majority of patients at 73.8% in this age group were on glucocorticoid therapy. After reading this article, you will be able to determine yourself the value of using the FRAX tool to predict the risk of major osteoporotic and hip fractures in your patients with RA with or without a bone mineral density assessment available.
The next paper is entitled Postpartum Depression in Reproductive Age Women with and Without Rheumatic Diseases, a population-based matched cohort study, and is by Shridhar Murthy and colleagues. In this retrospect study using IBM Market Scan Commercial Claims and Encounters Database, data from 2,667 women with axial spondylarthropathy, or rheumatoid arthritis were compared to 10,668 patients who did not have a rheumatic disease to determine if there was a difference in the incidence of development of postpartum depression in these two cohorts after a median follow-up of 256 days. The authors found that there was an increased incidence of the development of postpartum depression in the axial spondyloarthritis, psoriatic arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis cohort, as compared to the age-matched non-rheumatic disease comparison group at 72.2% versus 12.8% respectively with an adjusted hazard ratio of 1.22 with the 95% confidence intervals of 1.09 to 1.36. In the discussion, the authors break down the use type and significance of antidepressant medication before and during pregnancies, as well as in the postpartum period in the disease cohort. They also compare their findings of the incidence of postpartum depression to other studies and the implications of this and other studies for the early recognition of postpartum depression in women with axial spondylarthritis, psoriatic arthritis, or rheumatoid arthritis. Fourth paper to highlight is titled Medication Cost Concerns and Disparities in Patient-Reported Outcomes Among a Multi-Ethnic Cohort of Patients with Systemic Lupus Erythematosus and is by Aguirre and colleagues. In this longitudinal study, the investigators looked to determine if self-reported medication cost concerns were associated with patient-reported outcomes or pros in their multi-ethnic cohort of 332 patients with SLE. Self-reported ethnicity of the cohorts was 34% Asian. 31% white, 22% Hispanic, and 11% black. They found that 27% of their cohort reported concerns about medication costs. 11% reported difficulties in affording SLA medication. 9% delayed refilling prescriptions. 8% reporting skipping a dose or taking fewer medications. 
reported purchasing drugs outside of the U.S. Overall, 9% applied for patient assistance programs. Of the 91 patients who reported medication cost concerns, 43% reported two or more concerns. Patients with Medicare insurance were more, more likely to report a medication cost concern than those with other insurance providers. Patients on a biologic therapy were more likely to have a concern than those without biologic therapy. The authors did not find any association of demographic features such as age, sex, race, or ethnicity, or income with medication cost concerns. In contrast, medication cost concerns were statistically significantly associated with a worse systemic lupus erythematosus questionnaire score, patient health questionnaire depression scale, and the patient reported outcome measures information system scores, even after adjusting for covariates. Medication cost concerns were not significantly associated with changes in pros over the two-year follow-up period. In an accompanying editorial, Dr. Elizabeth Ferrucci from the Alaska Native Tribal Health Consortium, Anchorage, USA, reviews and comments on the findings, including the lack of association of medication cost concerns with multiple sociodemographic features and the lack of association with any significant change in the trajectory of the pros. Dr. Frucci suggests some ways to improve the outcome and the implications of this study and prior articles on the importance of addressing medication cost concerns and adherence to the care of patients with SLE. These papers have important implications to the care of all patients not only with SLE, not only those in the U.S. Precision medicine is becoming increasingly more practical as it advances in machine-based learning. Final article to highlight this month is a study entitled Precision Medicine-Based Machine Learning Analysis to Explore Optimal Exercise Therapy for Individuals with Knee Osteoarthritis. Random Forest Inform Tree-Based Learning and is by Kim and colleagues. They used a random forest tree-based analysis in patients with knee osteoarthritis who were part of a trial of physiotherapy versus internet-based training for patients with knee osteoarthritis. Using their precision medicine technique, the investigators could divide the 303 patients in the trials 
into six major subgroups for whom either standard physiotherapy, internet-based physiotherapy, or normal weightlifting of patients. The outcome measure was the WOMAC total score at 12 months. Using their algorithm, they could predict who would respond best based on baseline age, body mass index, and the brief fear of movement scores. They found that internet-based therapy was optimal therapy for 57.4% of their patients overall. Further dissection of the results using the random forced analysis showed that internet-based therapy was, opt was the optimal treatment for patients less than 49.3 years, while PT was best for patients greater than 49.3 years who had a high brief fear of movement score and a boss met body mass index between 26.3 and 37.2. And as may be expected, waiting list was best for only a minority of 17. I suggest you read this paper if you're interested in how machine-based learning can be used to determine optimal therapies in many more clinical situations than the one outlined in this paper. The expert review in rheumatology this month is part of our series reviewing biostatistical methods. It is titled Avoiding Blunders When Analyzing Correlated Data, Clustered Data, or Repeated Measures, and is by Chang, Burroughs, Davis III, and Crossan. This article used a case-based approach to outline statistical errors that can occur when data is correlated, you are using clustered data, or repeated measures. The image in rheumatology this month describes a 70-year-old man who presented with polyarthritis and papule on his fingers. He had a 12-year history of polyarthritis and a five-year history of bilateral ulnar deviation. He had high titer positive rheumatoid factor and anti-CCP antibody level. A chest CT showed interstitial pneumonia. He was treated with multiple therapies, including prednisolone, which resulted in the resolution of his papules. Six months after discontinuation of the prednisone, he did have recurrence of polyarthritis and the papules. Dermatoscopy showed thrombosis and telangiectasia in the nail folds. A diagnosis of Bywaters lesions was made.
These lesions were not present at the first presentation of the papules. Bywater lesions include purple papules around the nail and distal pulp, which may progress to larger papules and are associated with hemorrhagic lesions and possible infarction around the nail folds. Patient was again treated with high-dose prednisolone with resolution of his polyarthritis in papules. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast, encouraging you to read not only the articles I've highlighted, but all the articles in the October 2023 edition of the Journal of Rheumatology, either in the print or online editions. The latter is available at www.jroom.org. Please watch my interviews with the authors of the highlighted article, not only of this month, but of previous months if you have missed them. They are all available for viewing at our website and on YouTube. If you have any comments or questions on these highlighted articles or any article, in the Journal of Rheumatology, please send them to manuscripts at jroom.com and please listen next month to the November 2023 edition of Editor's Highlights. Thank you. 